0: Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Welcome to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant SEC talk, the relevant Mississippi talk. We'd like to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Lots of good things going on at OPC. A lot of offerings for youth and adults alike. Registration's ongoing right now for pickleball and fencing activities. They're gearing up for fall flag football as well. A lot of other sports offerings too. Thank you to the guys at OPC. I am joined this morning by Stefan Kreishnik, our new Mississippi State beat rider. He got to town uh, last night. Stefan, tell us about the drive, man, uh, that uh, Indianapolis route. Did you stop at Mammoth Cave in Kentucky? No,
1: no, no stops. I, I went straight through, but, uh, the one thing that I will say is uh Tennessee when you're driving through on, on the western part of the state it's not as cool as when you're going through through the mountains over there. So a lot a lot more flatland, a lot less going on uh in that part of Tennessee, which I'd never driven through before. So that was that was a, a little disappointing. It's it's a little more funny and keeps you awake a little more when you're driving through those mountains, going up and down and around those curves. But um uh, no easy drive in, pretty, pretty straightforward and uh happy to be here.
0: Well, I looked at the route coming from Indianapolis there, and from Nashville, it had you going west on 40. Is that right? Uh,
1: getting, no, got, so I, I actually
0: – How'd you come down?
1: Yeah, actually, I actually came from Bloomington, which is a little bit south of Indianapolis. So on, on Indianapolis, I'll have you hop on 65. It'll go a little quicker. Um, from Bloomington, you don't hop on 65. So it was a little bit more roundabout way, but um, I, I got to the western part of the state pretty quick there in Tennessee. Okay.
0: Well, that that sounds good. Yeah, I was thinking that. Look, he's going down to Nashville on sixty five. Man, you were nowhere near Mammoth Cave. That's uh a-
1: yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Trust me, if I if I had been going through Nashville, maybe I would have been uh, arriving tonight. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's good, man. We're glad to have you guys uh, uh, on the ground, boots on the ground, and ready to get started. Michael Katz will be getting here. Uh, uh, later this evening, he'll be a nighttime arrival uh, in Oxford, our new old Miss beat writer. Uh, Steph, uh, I know that uh, you're a Big Ten guy. I wanted to talk to you about SEC expansion a little bit, uh, uh, attending school there at Indiana and growing up around the Big Ten. Of course, we were all at SEC media days a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, we know the Texas-Oklahoma news, how that came about. I-, I thought it was interesting, man, that it was nine days, like nine days, from, oh my goodness, this story is, has leaked and the, the news is out here to Texas and Oklahoma are members, like they're in a conference. That was like nine days. Uh, and they got the, the men in suits, got together fast and, and voted them in. But one of the rumors that came out about that time was uh, a barstool uh, writer, producer, uh, Jack McGuire on Twitter. And I haven't seen this reported anywhere else doesn't mean that it's not true. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't been uh, confirmed other places. Maybe you've seen it. But uh, he mentioned that, uh, look, this uh, Texas and Oklahoma thing was just the start of SEC expansion. And uh, he said that uh, the SEC was also in discussions with Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan and Ohio State to uh, the SEC. One, one, I wanted to hear – uh, if if you heard anything like that beyond uh, this report that uh, was kind of making the rounds on Twitter and uh, what you think about a, a big 10 without uh, Michigan and Ohio state, would, would that happen?
1: No, I, I really couldn't imagine that happening. And I know I, I'm actually just now looking at, at that um, tweet from Jack McGuire. And he also mentions Clemson and Florida state, um, oh. you know, as part of that expansion as well. And, I just, I, I really can't can't imagine I can't imagine the Big Ten letting that happen. But then again, you know, who would have thought the Big 12 will let Oklahoma and Texas leave? Uh, yeah, I, I just, it really, it, for me, it wouldn't, starting with Ohio State, it just wouldn't make much sense for them. They're just about as powerful as any football program in the nation, you know, besides maybe Clemson and, and Alabama. But in terms of the brand and, and establishing a name and the money that they generate in the Big Ten, I, I feel like they would almost, be losing money if they went to the SEC with, with how powerful they are in the Big Ten. I just, I don't know if financially that would be much of a, a, a smart move for Ohio State. And then, you know, Michigan, I mean, they're still, you know, the, their football team might not be as successful as they once were. And maybe you can compare them a bit to Texas because, you know, they're, they're not as good as they used to be, but there's still money to be made there. And they're, they're generating a lot of money. And I can't, I just can't imagine for either of those schools, um, you know, from a financial perspective that they would benefit from coming to the SEC. And like you mentioned, I haven't seen that report anywhere else. I don't know how much substance there is to it. I know Jack said that that the SEC has been in contact with those schools. Well, I'm sure, you know, that's smart from the SEC's perspective to contact them. I don't know what the contact back was like from those schools. So I'd be interesting to see if there was any substance to that. I, I just, I can't see it happening. And I, I think at this point, the Big Ten and, and the schools like Ohio State and Michigan are worried more about who, they can bring in now to try to compete with the SEC as opposed to giving in and losing teams back to the SEC.
0: What do you think the confidence factor is right now in Kevin Warren, uh, the commissioner uh, of the Big Ten? Are they confident uh, in the leadership there? Uh, I go back to uh, the the handling of the COVID-19 situation last year and and kind of, uh, you know, a a little bit of disorganization there. What what do you think is – Kevin Warren's popularity there in that area?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's probably pretty split on people's opinions. And I think, you know, when he came in, he said a lot of the right things. And I think there was a lot of people that were ready for um, Delaney to go. And I think Delaney's, I mean, De- Delaney was pretty vocally, at least up until his time finished as Big Ten commissioner, was pretty openly against an NIL type of thing. Um, so I think a lot of people were ready for, you know, his, you know, be used to kind of to go away, and, and Warren to step in, and you know, he was a little bit more ready about that. And he, you know, the Big Ten was ready for the NIL to, to start coming in with Warren. Warren was a, a big advocate for um, players' mental health and getting things in place for that. And this was all before the pandemic, when when Kevin had first come in. I think, yeah, like, like you mentioned, the, the way they approached the football season and going from canceling it to you know postponing it to here, you know, we're going to play now and now. I think it, to some extent it probably hurt the Big Ten teams that, that they did delay it, um, you know, played some less games. Um, you know, I, I think we saw, you know, there's a lot of people frustrated that Ohio State was in the playoff just because of, of you know, first you have the shortened season, then you also have cancellations during the season. I mean, it feels like you, you barely even play the season. There you are, you know, stealing the playoff spot. Um, so I think naturally there might also be some frustration with Kevin Warren. Um, but I think overall, I, I think since, the initial frustration with, with some of the COVID cancellation, I think Kevin Warren and the Big Ten have done a good job of, of turning it around from there, um, getting a season in, in place, making sure all the you know basketball season and spring sports, everything else with that was in place, um, getting played in the spring. I, I mean, it, it kind of turned out surprising to say in the fall sports are going to postpone them, maybe play them in the spring. Aside from football, they were able to do that with most of the sports. Um, so, and, and that was handled pretty well. I think it made it a little tougher for, for teams in terms of national championship with one, one volleyball team playing in the spring and another one's playing in the fall, um, in, in terms of different conferences. But I think since, since that initial frustration, I think there's uh, been a little bit of a turnaround. I think teams are, uh, and fans are kind of starting to be a little bit more accepting and, um, you know, I, I, I don't see him leaving anytime soon. So, so they better find a way to make it work. But I think, um, right now this is also going to be a big test for him early in his, in his tenure as commissioner, and how he's going to handle um, trying to compete with the SEC and, and the recent expansion news, uh, Stephen,
0: <clears throat> I've lived all my life uh, in the heart of SEC propaganda. Okay, that's uh, just—it's just where I've been. I, I've seen the league grow. I've seen what it has become. Um, many people would call it the dominant conference, even among the super conferences. Um, what's what's the opinion? How do people view the SEC? Uh, in your region of the U S uh, you know, we'll pose that question to Michael and he'll give us the, he can give us the West perspective, man. We just need somebody from the East and, you know, and, and, uh, and we'll have, a uh, you know, our national bases covered, but, uh, you know, big 10 country, man, what's, what's the perception of, of sec football.
1: Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's an honest perception. I mean, everyone knows that, um, down South footballs are stronger and you could see that, you know, in, in the recent titles and, um, you know, when it comes to football, there's there's no stronger conference in the SEC, and I think everyone knows that. And I think what, what kind of hurts the Big Ten is uh, a lot of fans of other schools they don't like Ohio State, so they, they don't want to admit that Ohio State uh, is always going to be able to compete with the SEC. I mean, you could see that Ohio State is probably the only team that can compete, and it's shown at times in the playoffs, and sometimes it, it hasn't shown at all, um, just in terms of Ohio State's ability. But I think people are willing to admit that that the SEC when it comes to football is, is stronger than the big 10. And you, you know, sometimes in those crossover bowl games, you see it. Um, I, I think it's a little bit more competitive now than maybe it used to be, um, you know, between maybe some of those, those bottom feeder teams. I think a lot of times you would see, you know, Mississippi state finishes um, last or second to last, you know, in the SEC, but they can compete with maybe a, a top big 10 team. I don't think you see that as much. I think maybe, um, Maybe some of those middle of the pack Big Ten teams um, would lose that, like lower SEC teams, but I think when, when you look at the teams at the top, um, you know Ohio State obviously cancels out Alabama and Georgia a bit, um, but then then when you go from there with Penn State, Michigan State, or I should say Michigan, not Michigan State, when they're when they're at their best and they're competing well, I think you see that they can compete with some of those SEC teams. Uh, so I, I think there's more of a feeling of s- some competition now, but, but everyone knows what, what SEC football means. And I think there's a lot of people in the Midwest and in Big Ten land that wish uh, they were rooting for an SEC football team all the time.
0: Well, I, I want to get you to talk SEC football here in just a second. One more, uh, one more question here. You know, we've seen the reports uh, of different schools, wh- where Big 12 schools might land as that league kind of disperses. Uh, who do you think would be attractive to the big 10 you know, we've seen Kansas linked and, and, you know, it's, I get it from a basketball perspective, but th- this is such a football driven conversation right now, you know, would they be a good fit to I mean, Who do you think? Uh, and maybe not some teams, not big 12, but who do you think might be attractive to the big 10?
1: Yeah. it's it is interesting you say that just because I think the initial reports and, and it really hasn't gone away is just um, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas going to the Big Ten. I just like it, it doesn't make sense to me just because financially, not even just this conversation, obviously, focused a lot on football just because of Texas and Oklahoma, but. The reason football is so important is that that's that's the real money maker. I mean, Kansas basketball, you know, respect to them and what they've built there. I mean, it's, it's an amazing program. And in terms of basketball season, I'd love to see Kansas in the Big Ten. I think that would be awesome. I would see Kansas take on Michigan, Ohio State teams like that. It would be a lot of fun from a basketball perspective. But, but I just can't imagine that the Big Ten would counter this Texas-Oklahoma move by going and getting arguably the worst Power 5 football program that there is. It, it just doesn't make much sense to me. And that's why I think um, – Iowa state, if, if they can keep some, you know, some of that success we saw last season, if they can keep that going, that might be a more lucrative name to bring in financially um, from the football perspective. Um, and So I think I would say it'll be something they pursue. And it, this is, this is a stretch. And I know a lot of people in the big 10 probably wouldn't want to see this, but um, if you're Kevin Warren, there has to be some kind of contact with Notre Dame and trying to convince them somehow um, to bring that money And they bring that NBC deal and all all that they bring in from the football perspective into the big 10. I don't know if that would happen. And I think if if, it still feels like if Notre Dame were to join a conference, it would be the ACC. I mean, last season when they, when they had to play in the conference, they joined the ACC. So I don't know why that would change now. Um, But, but if you're a big 10, you got to put all your chips on the table and go see, go at least talk to Notre Dame and see what the pulse is there. Um, But I think Iowa state is a bit more realistic. And then, you know, after that, I mean, if you bring in Iowa State, I, aside from Kansas, I don't know who else, aside from Kansas and Notre Dame. Um, it would be interesting though. West Virginia has been brought up at times. Now, West Virginia seems to be more of an ACC name. So maybe that's a bit off the table. Um, it, it'll be interesting. But I think if you're the Big Ten, I think you need to 100% get Iowa State, um, talk to Notre Dame, and then maybe settle for Kansas.
0: You know what? Uh, I think you're right. You at least go have that conversation with Notre Dame. And it's going to be interesting uh, as the dominoes continue to fall to see where Notre Dame lands in this. Can they survive as an independent? Can they continue to, to just do their own thing? These conferences are going to get richer. Uh, eventually, they're going to surpass. I, and I, maybe they have already. I know Notre Dame gets like $15 million a year from its NBC deal at, at what point does it become more lucrative to be in a conference, you know, because, uh, you're even, even the shared deals in the sec are, are just going to, to just rocket upward. Uh, the Notre Dame thing is interesting. I think you at least have to listen to the big 10. I don't think the big 10 needs to pursue them. I know they a lot of water under the bridge right now with Notre Dame and the ACC, you know, a lot of, a lot of right. connections being made, but, um, the Big Ten's a football conference. This is a football discussion with uh, Florida State kind of uh, struggling in recent years. The ACC just uh, top to bottom isn't, isn't the same. So we'll see how they land. Let's talk uh, Mississippi State uh, a little bit uh, here, Stefan. Um, what position battles in camp do you see as being the most significant? I know we've talked about quarterback. Uh, Will Rogers being the returning starter, but Mike Leach says uh, an open competition and you bring in a, you know, an experienced veteran guy from Southern Miss and uh, Jack Abraham, uh, a guy who uh, really sees the field, makes decisions, very accurate. Uh, he'll be in the mix. Uh, you know, let's talk quarterback first and we'll get into some other things. So what, what do you see there? Right. I, I think just,
1: it's interesting to see that it it feels like Will Rogers is gonna get this, and, and it feels like it would be very surprising if if uh, Abraham got it. But but we saw at SEC Media Days a that like you mentioned, Mike Leach wants to make this open competition, and maybe that's more just to to light a fire to get Will Rogers maybe you know feel that feel that pressure a little bit in fall camp and maybe push him to be even better than than he is. Um, but the second part is we saw in one of leach's answers when he was asked about the competition, um, you know, very unprompted today, "Hey, Abraham's our most experienced player. And so I think just seeing the way he talks about Abraham, I think there's a bit more of a competition than maybe some people think, I think that there's a genuine chance that, that Abraham, um, can go out and get this. Um, but I feel like going into fall camp, it's more of Will Rogers losing the spot than Abraham um, winning the spot. So we'll see how that goes. And, and I think a lot of that, um, you know, depending depending on how much we get to see at practice, I, I think we'll see definitely with Will Rogers a little bit more of an understanding. You know, physically with with the formations and everything of of the Mike Leach offense that he, that he brings in. Um, but a lot of what we won't see is what goes on behind closed doors in those in those meetings, the quarterback meetings, and, and just um, verbally, how much has Will Rogers shown that that he's learned this offense. When he sits down and talks to you, does does he show? A clear understanding of, of what Mike Leach is talking about. Like, can he answer that properly and, and watch the film and perfectly understand it? That's what we kind of don't get to see. That's what will be interesting to see, you know, the progress that Will Rogers has made. And, and if he has done that and then he does show it on the practice field as well, I just, I can't imagine uh, going into year two that that Will Rogers won't be the starter week one. Will that, will that change throughout the year? Who knows that, that we saw last year with, with Costello, how much that can change. Um, but, but right now, I still feel somewhat confident in Will Rogers, but, but I think there's a little bit more of a competition than, than people may think.
0: You know, that's a, an interesting point there. You know, Will Will Rogers be a star in those meeting rooms <clears throat> when he's talking with uh, his coaches and, and with Mike Leach <clears throat> because uh, Jack Abraham has been described as a good fit for this offense. Well, You know, he has a high completion percentage. Why do you have a high completion percentage? Because you read the field and you make good decisions under duress and you take care of the ball. He's been described as a fit, and I don't think a guy like Jack Abraham, with his experience and his success at Southern Miss, willingly puts himself in a position where he doesn't believe he has a chance to be the starter. You know, so we'll see. Uh, Be an interesting competition, I I do believe. What other uh, competitions do you see uh, across the board there?
1: Right. I, I think one thing that's interesting is that running back. I don't know if I necessarily call it uh, a competition. I look out my window, of course, there's uh, here comes the rain that that I've been told a lot about. And we saw a lot in Alabama while we were there. So learn to adjust to that and the humidity already. Um, but, but I think um, running back will be interesting, not in terms of maybe, you know, who is a starter. I, I don't think it really matters who the starters. I think uh, Marks and, and Johnson are going to split up the reps pretty evenly, but it, but it's going to be interesting to see how those, uh, those reps are split up in practice. And, you know, when you go into the season, it's going to be interesting to see in, in what situations we see Marks on the field, what situations we see Dylan Johnson on the field. Um, and, and a lot of that it, it could also stem from those meetings, from, from an understanding of, of how the offense works. I know a lot of people feel, you know, the area of offense, what's most important is, is the wide receivers and, and, and the quarterbacks. Um, I, I think there's there's a role for these running backs in this offense. I, I think they, they play a big role. There's there's a lot of situations where um, if you decide to hand it off or do a little dump off pass, there's, there's yardage to be had. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how those two, first of all, embrace their role, knowing that, you know, maybe you're not as active in this offense as some others. but But there's a role and there's a really important role that when your, your number is called, you, you need to be ready to step up. So it's going to be interesting to see in those, in those big situations, maybe a third and short, or just um, you know, or how, how they incorporate um, the running backs and how those running backs embrace that role. And I think one thing that Lee just, just mentioned himself at Media Days was the safety battle. I still feel like it, it, it'll be Jalen Green um, coming over as a transfer, but um, it's still you know, whenever you're a your first-year player trying to understand it, it's kind of hard to come in and just grasp that starting role. So, But he had an impressive spring for what I was told. Obviously, I wasn't here in the spring, so I wasn't able to see much of it. I was told he had a pretty impressive spring to the point where a lot of people are confident in him being the starting safety when the season starts. I think as long as he just continues doing what he's been doing, um, he'll he'll be okay there. But definitely um, how they split up the reps at at running back and then who ends up ultimately getting the starting safety job, I, I keep an eye on outside of that quarterback competition.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, people forget this when they see these transfers come in. And this is a new day with the portal and everything and so, so many players moving from one team to another. When you go from one environment to another, there's an acclimation period. And it really doesn't matter um, what you've achieved at a different place or at a different level. There is some level of adjustment to a new place and new surroundings. And look, elite athletes are going to pick that up quickly, and they're going to make the impact that so many people expect. But there is that period, and, and you kind of have to watch uh, these guys go through it. So uh, he was around in the spring; that's that's going to help. So we'll just uh, we'll see how that competition uh, plays out. Hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. We thank you for. Clicking in with us today. Be sure to check us out uh, in the Mississippi State discussion group there inside Mississippi State Sports with uh, Paris Alford and Stefan Kreisnik. Thanks for being with us, folks. We'll see you later.